This podcast is brought to you by Destination Medical Center, creating a global destination for health and wellness in Rochester, Minnesota. More at dmc.mn. It was important that Mayo Clinic give our patients confidence that it was safe to come back to us for care. But our community is a huge partner for us. And many people travel for care. They need to stay in hotels, dine in restaurants. And so it was equally important that our patients have confidence that Rochester is a safe place for them to visit, too. I can't imagine that there's a convention held ever again that doesn't have at least some people being remote. You know, the hybrid model is here to stay. Welcome to Urban Evolution podcast about harnessing creativity and innovation to transform communities. I'm your host, Bill Von Bank. A unique partnership of civic and community organizations in Rochester, Minnesota, joined forces in the middle of the COVID-19 pandemic to help ensure a safe and resilient recovery for the community. The partnership is called Rochester Ready. My guests today are founding partners of this initiative. Joining me are Aaron Sexton, Director of Community Engagement for Mayo Clinic, and Joe Ward, President of Experience Rochester, the city's destination marketing organization. Aaron Sexton, Joe Ward, welcome to the Urban Evolution Podcast. Thank you, Bill. Appreciate being here today. Thank you, Bill. Really excited to be here. Aaron, what was your career path to Mayo Clinic? I actually came to Mayo Clinic in 2011 as our Director of State Government Affairs, so I had the pleasure of being able to work on the DMC legislation uh, when it first came to fruition. But when I first really came to want to come to Mayo Clinic, when I was about 25 in one of my first roles at the Minnesota Medical Association, I had met my predecessor. And I told him, I said, wow, I mean, you have one of the greatest jobs. And, you know, when you retire, I want your job. And about 10 years later, he retired, and I was lucky enough to replace and him. And you got it. And got the job at Mayo Clinic. So I've been here almost 10 years now. And your title is Director of Community Engagement? Yes. Joe, you are relatively new to Rochester, Minnesota. What brought you to the city? What brought me to Rochester, first and foremost, obviously, the, the job that I have, um, being able to oversee the Mayo Civic Center and experience Rochester Convention and Visitors Bureau operations as we combine them. But really, the thing that sold me on that job was Rochester, was the presence of the Mayo Clinic and such a national, nationally and internationally renowned organization, as well as the, the DMC efforts, the growth here in Rochester, just a place that uh, that I really like to be and I'd like my family to be. It's a wonderfully safe community and we're excited to be here. And so I was hoping that maybe I could play a little part in helping uh, Rochester grow and improve a little bit. Well, welcome to Rochester. Thank you. Aaron, both Mayo Clinic and Experience Rochester are founding partners of a community collaboration called Rochester Ready. Explain this unique partnership. I mean, the idea was to really come together with a focus on a safe and resilient Rochester. And the idea formed right as our economy was beginning to reopen. Mayo Clinic had been, you know, essentially ground to a halt for six weeks. And we were just beginning to open our practice and bringing patients back to the community. And it was really, you know, what can we do to showcase, you know, one, that Rochester is is taking the appropriate safety measures, but two, to give people confidence in that. And, and really, I think, showing that collaborative approach to safety and the types of measures that needed to be put in place in, in the face of COVID-19 to give people that confidence in our community. Joe, were there other cities or states that served as good examples for the Rochester Ready model? 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, Asheville, North Carolina was one that really jumps to mind. That was the first that we saw. We were actually pretty early on this curve of doing this. So there weren't a lot out there. There were, you know, some chat groups that showed up and really quickly on Facebook and such about basically our industry saying, how can we help our communities? And we're in a fortunate situation where we directly oversee the operations of the Mayo Civic Center. So there was a role that we could play more directly, but also, you know, this very unique here that one of the organizations on the cutting edge of trying to get us out of this pandemic in the Mayo Clinic happens to be here in one of the partners. And that's something that's unlike any of these other organizations around the country. And we're really fortunate to have that because the messaging comes from a a place of credibility, a place where people trust. And so a big focus of our Convention and Visitors Bureau as well is on how many people come to the city for Mayo Clinic. And so we have to take a little tone there too, that these people are here primarily for probably a pretty serious reason. And we need to really reflect that with a sense of empathy, a sense of safety and confidence in what we're doing here and becoming one of the safest cities, if we weren't already, certainly growing to be one of the safest cities in the country. And I guess the advantage of this partnership is the collaboration, that that it was multiple organizations coming together at a time when so many businesses were closed and the reopening opportunity was starting and they just needed that that lift and that help by some organization. And so multiple organizations creating Rochester Ready, that had to have been an advantage for the community. Absolutely. I mean, some of these cities, they're in a situation where it's primarily a convention visitors bureau driven effort to market. Uh, this is really in the fabric of the community. There's so many leaders that are involved in it the integration, the just the perspectives. From my perspective, to hear more about public health, to hear how the operations are, are changing at Mayo Clinic to adjust to this. And so from my perspective as a, a leader in the community, to really be armed with more information with this kind of a group coming together and then also recognizing new things we need to add. You know, we ended up welcoming the diversity council to that partnership later on and, you know, and realizing that that's an element that we need to be able to communicate to all audiences. Aaron, why was the formation of Rochester Ready of particular importance to Mayo Clinic? Bill, as we were really reopening our practice after we had been, you know, really ground to a halt for almost six weeks in in March and April, you know, it was important that Mayo Clinic give our patients confidence that it was safe to come back to us for care. But our community is a huge partner for us. And many people travel for care. They need to stay in hotels, dine in restaurants. And so it was equally important that our patients have confidence that Rochester is a safe place for them to visit, too. And so Rochester Ready and and the safety pledge that was put in place was a really great way for us as a community and Mayo Clinic to showcase, you know, one, it's safe to come to Mayo for care, but two, it's safe to come to Rochester and that the safety measures being put in place are the right ones and that businesses and restaurants and hotels are taking this incredibly seriously and the safety incredibly seriously. So we were able to showcase to our patients the businesses who had signed on to the Rochester Ready Pledge and then convey to them the safety measures that were being put in place by those businesses to really help instill that confidence in our patients who are coming to us for care, that they would be safe inside of our walls, but that the community was taking the appropriate steps too. And Aaron, I know you were intimately involved in the development of that safety pledge along with public health officials, Olmstead County, as well as the state and the CDC. And Joe, then you you and your team mobilized to really bring this out in the public to the hospitality businesses, to the retailers, to the restaurateurs, to the hotels. 
to showcase the safety pledge and then get them to sign up for the pledge. Easy task, not so easy task. How did that work out? We're a convention and visitors bureau, and we're also in the hospitality industry, right, with the concerts and things that we have in our buildings. So uh, we're not afraid to go out and talk to people. We're excited about that. And obviously, our, our jobs had kind of come to a screeching halt. And so that was a way that we could use the skills we provide. And I think that's the big part of this partnership is, you know, our skills. I'm not a, I'm not a medical doctor. I'm not a, you know, a, a health official. But we have certain skills, whether it's marketing and sales. And so we used, we turned and pivoted a little bit to bring those relationships and develop them and carry out them in, in the community. So our sales team aggressively went out really fast to primarily hotels first, because that's where we're getting a lot of feedback that people were coming in from out of town to go in Mayo Clinic and just weren't sure where they could go, where they could eat, what was open, what wasn't. There's a lot of construction going on in the city at the same time. And so that's, uh, I like to say, pardon our progress, but at the same time, it can be challenging for visitors. And so it's great to use our skills. We had a little more time to have a marketing person who was available at the time to develop you know, a messaging that really, that really worked well. So you know, we're just going to bring the resources where we are. I think for me to see that and go, okay, sort of everybody knows who they are and what they bring. And that's really cool because there's so many different viewpoints that are coming to the table and different skill sets. You signed on nearly a hundred businesses to this pledge. Yeah. And I think the thing that I'll give our team credit here because they, at that time, there was no mask mandate in the community yet, but the, the safety pledge called for a mandate to accept your guests wearing masks. And so that was a bit of a challenge because people we're like, well, wait a minute, the city's not telling me that I have to have a mask yet, but your safety program is. And that's where, honestly, the credibility of an organization like Mayo Clinic comes involved. It's like, well, they're recommending that along with these other health partners and these other people in the community. This is the standard we'd like to set. And then I think it just proves the cutting edge that was there because shortly thereafter, there did become a city wide mask mandate. And that's a great point, Aaron, because when you were working on the safety pledge document, the state mandate hadn't been in place yet for masking. And then it it just became an evolution over what the community needed to do next. So what's cool about Rochester Ready is you evolved as state executive orders evolved and the pandemic just kept lingering. Well, and and I think, Bill, that's a really important point. I mean, we have learned so much. I mean, we think about this, right? COVID-19 has been with us now nine months. And what we know now versus what we knew in March and April and even May as we were starting to put this together is is so evolved, right? And, you know, I think it's been one of the challenges with COVID-19 is, you know, and really, I think getting people to adopt some of the measures that are recommended is because things have sort of evolved and changed over time. And that's to be expected as we're learning. And this was a new novel virus. You know, I think that's been a challenge for us. But thankfully, we have such an amazing and strong public health department here, too, in addition to the expertise that Mayo Clinic can bring, or even our colleagues at Olmstead Medical Center, our Olmstead County Public Health Department is is really top notch and I think has helped to guide us through in terms of what we're telling the public and how we're getting people to adopt some of these important measures. So, you know, I think that's sort of one of the benefits we've had here locally. But, you know, again, I think like most places, one of the challenges, this is a virus that that we've learned more and more about as we've gone. Erin, in your role, you have a pulse on the community as it relates to the pandemic. What's working and what are some of the challenges that exist? 
that's a great question, Bill, because I think it goes a little to the fact that we have learned so much. And, you know, what I would say is we have done a pretty exceptional job here in, in Rochester in Olmstead County. I mean, we ask people to mask up, stay six feet apart and wash their hands and people have done it. <laughs> and, and I think that's reflected, you know, really strongly in the fact that our numbers have even been better here and, and better in a good way than, than even our, our larger state average in Minnesota and, and, you know, far better than some of our surrounding states too. And I think that's, you know, largely we are a, a healthcare driven community. And so uh, people take the, this guidance very seriously. They expect it. They expect it. Right. That's exactly right. And they've largely adopted it. So I think we've done a really good job in, in the fact that we've had sort of opportunities for really unified um, messaging and, and direction to our community through efforts, collaborative efforts like Rochester Ready, through the work of our Olmsted County Public Health Department, through the information that Mayo Clinic and Olmsted Medical Center are putting out. Frankly, a lot of our organizations here stepped up and worked, you know, you said the Rochester Chamber of Commerce and their webinar series, the DMC webinar series, sort of the education and content available to this community has been really phenomenal. And then the other thing I'd add is, is I think we've really learned as we've gone to, to figure out how do we reach sort of all parts of our community. And I think this is a challenge anywhere. We have, I think, racial and ethnic minorities that, that maybe weren't getting the kind of information they needed translated and in terms that really, I think, helped make sense. Um, we had, you know, different socioeconomic groups that maybe we weren't reaching right away. And so we've had to really look differently. And to Joe's point, you know, the Diversity Council joined Rochester Ready. Rochester Ready teamed up with the Rochester Healthy Community Partnership. You know, as we're looking at how do we really, I think, reach populations in a much different way and have now deployed, you know, more of a, a geo-targeted market, you know, marketing campaign around the safety measures that we need to continue to take and target that really at very specific populations. Part of what the benefit's going to be is it's helping us build muscle that's going to serve us, I think, much better long-term, too, in this community. Joel, part of your role is management of the Mayo Civic Center, which is the city's convention center. Once COVID hit, you had to shut down. That's a big hit. How impactful has that been? You're right. It's a big hit. It's a significant hit for the community uh, and for us as professionals that like to plan group gatherings, right? We were the first affected and we'll probably be the last to recover along with our hospitality partners in the community. It's been devastating for our industry. It really has. That being said, you know, our organizations across the country, our partner organizations with other convention and visitors bureaus and destination marketing organizations have always tried to strive to find other ways to, to communicate and become, a, let's say, a, a better partner in the community. And because the nature of our business is typically to advertise to people outside the community, it can be challenging sometimes to have these a real maybe integral role or people don't prioritize that as much as they should. So for us, really the first lesson for me was, we have to take this innate sense that we have inside our building to make things busier and kind of more fun and more dynamic and manic on some level and be like, okay, we got to slow this down. The community needs us to help it stop for a while, stop to restart. And so from an economic standpoint, obviously, you know, enormously impactful. We've lost hundreds of events. Um, and that's really sad to see. But at the same time, we know our role right now is to kind of be is to be a different thing and to be a different partner. And 
I personally am really excited because in very few cities do you get the opportunity to work with the the largest employer, which also happens to be one of the most significant healthcare organizations. Typically, that's not a real area that CVB gets involved in with uh, the economic development portion with DMC, the city, the county, Olmsted County Public Health, all these different partners. And I can't imagine how that would not lead to some tremendous partnership opportunity down the road for all of us. I think we've all seen what we can bring to the table and that we're all willing partners and we care. And that's an overwhelming sense in this community that I would encourage people, if they ever get a chance when all this is over, to come see in Rochester. It's a it's an overwhelming sense of care, an overwhelming sense of empathy, and looking out for people. It's it's really great to be part of. And so as a newcomer, as you said, it's sort of like I'll have a hard time leaving Rochester one day because when you go through a pandemic with people, I think you've pretty much gone through just about anything. <laughs> Good point. Joe, tell us how your organization has jumped in to help during this challenging time. With our pivoting and having to change and screech things to a, to a halt, I'll, I'll just kind of give you a little bit of the transition we had. So I think it was on March 10th that we hosted a, a nice tasting of our new food options for our partners at Mayo Clinic and their meeting planning division. We were really excited about some new things we were doing, new chef. And then three days later, we were closed and everybody was working from their home or their basement. Just that fast. Yeah. But the, And then within 48 hours of that, we had been reached out to by the city and the county to step up in this time of need and help them create a shelter for homeless and uh, homeless individuals in our community for a day shelter as well as a warming shelter. Still March the time. So obviously Minnesota, it can be a little, a little cold that time of year still. So we partnered with them and in 48 hours, our team, again, used their skills they had to, to help and work with Catholic Charities was involved in that as well. I think the Salvation Army and just to to get this up and running for people. And that was in our building till July of this year. Then they kind of took a break and found some other solutions temporarily. And then we uh, were able and fortunate enough to be able to partner with uh, boys and girls club in our community. Once uh, distance learning became such a necessity. And so they operate five days a week inside the Mayo civic center. With some of my other podcast interviews, I'm learning that out of necessity, people and businesses are having to pivot and from that pivot, it's a change in business operation. Do you see some of that happening with, with your organization? Oh, completely. Like first, just on the very, you know, at the very basis of what we do, we are, you know, we have meetings, right? <laughs> Conventions. I can't imagine that there's a convention held ever again that doesn't have at least some people being remote. You know, the hybrid model is here to stay. I mean, I, 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 you know, a lot of people are worried about the in-person model, and I'm not going to lie. We are a little bit too, like, say, what's going to happen? Are people going to still meet in person? I do believe people will meet in person, but I do believe there's an opportunity for groups and associations as well to expand their reach because they can also offer online elements. And so that's an area that we're investing in to make sure that we're on the forefront of that so we can have hybrid meetings in our building. And so just on that very basis alone, we've done the safety measures that we're putting in place. Um, you know, we, we just went through our heating and air conditioning units. You know, you know, there's some new units out there that kill thousands of viruses, including COVID-19. And so those have been installed in any uh, large meeting space in our building. And those are things that, okay, hopefully COVID-19 is in the rearview mirror one day, but there's still viruses out there, right? And so it's a, every step of the way we're getting safer, we're getting smarter and, uh, you know, really learning, like you said, how to pivot and how to try to be a better partner. Aaron, now that vaccines are coming online, what do you view are the next priorities for the Rochester Ready Partnership? 
it's nice to finally feel like there is the, a little bit of a light at the end of a, a very, of very dark tunnel. <laughs> a little bit of hope. Exactly, Bill. You know, I think for us as Rochester Ready, part of what we have in place is that infrastructure to really look at how do we pivot from, I think, education around COVID-19 and making sure people are masking up and social distancing and washing their hands and putting all of these important pieces in place to, okay, how do we make sure people are getting the vaccine so we can move past COVID-19 at some point here in, in the hopefully relatively near future. So I think collectively, it's a, big task. it's a big task. It absolutely is. And I think like anything that's new, right, people are going to be hesitant and have questions and, and that's okay. But I think Rochester Ready and, and the partnership that's evolved there is going to be really well positioned to, I think, help go out into our community and educate and help build confidence and understanding in the timing and processes for the vaccine in the safety and efficacy to address some of those myths that are already emerging and out there, you know, to effectively reach minority and underserved populations, just like we were, we were talking about in, in COVID-19. And, you know, I think most importantly, Bill, it's to build that hope, right? You know, it's all of us want to get back to things that we've lost. You know, I think of our restaurants that are, are closed and not being able to serve customers. I think of our, our people in our hospital who aren't able to have visitors with them, you know, at times of great need. I think of Joe and and the amazing job they've done to pivot, right, and, and make use of that convention space. But we as people want to get together. We want our kids to play sports. We want our kids back in school. Need that social activity. We need that back. hope. Mm-hmm. We need that hope. And and so I think that's a role that Rochester Ready is really well positioned to play. Aaron Joe, as you think about this past year, what inspires you? Aaron, I'll start with you. It's sort of a tough question, right? Because I think we're you know, this has been such a challenging nine months on so many fronts. But, you know, I think it is important for all of us to think about, okay, we've learned a lot. What, and there's so many, I think, inspiring stories that have come out of 2020. But, you know, really, I, I think what's inspired me the most is watching our, our staff on the front lines, um, our researchers, our lab that are working to battle COVID-19 every day. I mean, to see that amazing work that they've done so fast is is truly inspiring. I've been inspired by businesses here that even when they're devastated and, and doors are closed and they're fighting to, to figure out how they're going to continue to stay open, they're donating meals to our frontline staff. They're asking, how can we help? That's awesome. It's phenomenal. I mean, it, it truly is inspiring. And, you know, honestly, I'm, I'm just inspired by the support for one another. I mean, you look at this community, and, and Joe said it well, we do collaboration well. We get together. We pull together. We try to figure out how we're going to support one another, how we're going to get through this, and how we're going to get our community through this. And I think it's one of the things that positions us maybe differently than other cities and in, in you know, I think being resilient as we come out of this and really successful in, in defining our future and making sure that we are well positioned to be a strong Rochester again. Joe, as you think about this past year, what inspires you? I sort of feel like I've been falling off curveballs, you know, since March and just hoping that one doesn't get past me. And, you know, eventually there's going to be a fastball. I know it, you know, and we're going to crush it over the fence. But so that is like, how do you adjust and how do you live and work in this? But I'll, I'll tell you, kind of two areas. One is just as a as a resident of Rochester, as a newcomer to Rochester, and as a parent. Late summer, early fall, my one son, eight years old, broke his thumb on like a Tuesday. So of course, we went to the Mayo Clinic 
to be treated, which was our first sort of taste of not, you know, not the average appointment, right? Even though a broken thumb is not some of the stuff that they deal with. And then two days later, my 11-year-old had an appendectomy. He all of a sudden had, you know, appendicitis and we're in there for an appendectomy. And so I I feel like, you know, I need like a frequent flyer mileage now (laughs) from Mayo Clinic and maybe a free coffee or something. But um, the truth is to see that care on the front line and and the one the protocols like walking in was like holy cow they they have it together then this caring of i I got it it was like you know it was like sort of like oh i i get it i get why people are coming here even for what i would call relatively routine things there was nothing routine about the way we were treated there's that part for me that's inspiring and then I really have to hand it to to our team for being open. I mean, to go from, like I said, we're doing a tasting one day to meeting planners, then we're hosting a homeless shelter two days later, and then a boys and girls club. And, you know, when I certainly came to town, I wasn't planning on this. But then again, I mean, think of all those people, those closed down restaurants that we're talking about that they didn't plan on any of this. Nobody did. Anyone listening to this didn't plan on this year. And so, you know, let's just put that aside and figure out a way to help. And so our folks with Spectra that do our food. 8,000 meals they've served to homeless as well as Boys and Girls Club since March. Our team, again, who's used to planning meetings, to now signing up people for a, a pledge for Rochester Ready. You know, I hear stories about our communities pulling together. I feel like we've done it maybe a little, you know, maybe not necessarily better, but in our own way. And so I would just, I think this is a good model that I would encourage other communities because there really is value in involving many different partners. In some cities, your largest employer it's not going to be a healthcare organization, but what can they what can they do? What part can they play? What expertise can they bring to help you, not just in a pandemic, but in bigger challenges down the road? You know, one of the most, I, th- I think, fun things is as we've gone into the holidays, you know, and we've had to think about our staff who are used to, you know, getting together for holiday gatherings or sharing some celebration and recognition of each other during this time. And, and we really haven't been able to do that. And You know, we thought long and hard, you know, we know we have businesses struggling over here. We have our staff who aren't going to be able to gather over here. How do we sort of bridge that gap? And this holiday season, we were thankfully able to to find a partner in Gift Rochester and look a little differently in how we recognize our staff. And we're able to allow our managers and supervisors to shop local this year, which we haven't done in the past. And it resulted in $257,000 being spent at our local downtown businesses. Quarter of a million dollars. Yeah, quarter of a million dollars. Just in, you know, in our downtown businesses that are struggling right now. And what a great benefit. And we've heard from our staff. They love it. You know, they love the gifts they're getting, the opportunity to support local. And what a time to be able to invest and spend those dollars at our local businesses. So that's been, I think, another bright spot in looking at how we do things different. Well, hats off to both of you. I really appreciate your time, Aaron Sexton, Joe Ward. Thank you for being guests on Urban Evolution. Thank you, Bill. Thank you, Bill. Glad to be here. More about the podcast and our guests can be found at urbanevolutionpodcast.com. Urban Evolution is a production of Destination Medical Center Economic Development Agency. Learn more at dmc.mn. Stay safe and be well.